0: Man, I sure do hope you did have a great Christmas and a beginning to this new year just as we celebrate 2021 and look forward to 2022 and all that it has in store for us. But I can tell you that this uh, series we're about ready to enter enter into may be one of the most important in all of our lives. And as I've always told you, um, I'm just not one to be able to stand on the stage and preach to you as as if I've arrived. This series, series probably more than ever is an example of where I am on the journey with you. I have not made it, but I do know how important that this is, and I know for me, I've already applied some of the things that we're gonna be talking about over the next five weeks, and what a difference it has already made. As Kenny already said, we have text-in questions. So again, if you're online, this applies to you. I'm going to try to answer some of your questions at the end of every single one of our services this entire weekend. Now, as always, you know, everything that we're talking about comes from the core of God's Word. In addition to that, if you happen to be a reader, there's some books that we're leaning heavily on that helps us to walk through what we're going to be talking about. Like, for example, maybe you've read Dallas Willard's Celebration of Discipline or The Life You Always Wanted by John Ortberg, and specifically, there's a book that I would highly recommend that's based on the series title called Ruthless Elimination. Of hurry, and it's by John Mark Comer. You can purchase this at Amazon today, or you can get it in our lobby. You know, starting this next week. Now, in one of the books, you know that I mentioned, you know, John Ortberg tells this story that he's having a conversation with Dallas Willard, and he's wanted to know, hey Dallas, what is the core, important uh, discipline, or what's the most important thing that I could apply to my relationship with Christ? And there was a silence that was on the phone for just a few moments, and then Dallas responded with this, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And John just listened on the phone and just said, okay, what else? And he's like, that's it. And in our culture, he may be more right than he even realized at the time in which he said this, because hurry is the great spiritual enemy of our spiritual life in our day. It is the great enemy of our spiritual life on our day. If Satan cannot disconnect us from God, he will do anything that he can to make sure he thwarts those efforts. In other words, if he can't get us to sin... Satan will often make us busy, thus disconnecting us from him. In fact, Ortberg writes, The great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. That's powerful words right there. See, all of us suffer what we're going to call a a, a, a series or a term called hurry sickness, hurry sickness. See, one of the greatest illusions of our time is that we believe that if we hurry, it's going to give us more time. I mean, how many of us by a show of hands have actually fallen into that trap? If I hurry, I'm going to get some more time. See, hurry sickness is defined as this, a behavior pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. In fact, there was a doctor, you know, by the name of Friedman, who was the one who originally coined this phrase called hurry sickness. Now, he happened to be a doctor who worked with cardiovascular patients, you know, the heart doctor. And what he noticed amongst all of the patients that he was serving was that they all had this serious sense of time urgency, or as he would later coin, hurry sickness. Now, he said this, wait for it, in the 1950s, that's actually when he said this. See, hurry sickness is a mixture of anxiety and restlessness, and it is accompanied by a continual feeling of urgency. Its symptoms include high stress levels, declining quality of work, tiredness, and eventually can lead to serious health problems. So the question, if all this is true, the question that we have to ask ourselves is do we suffer from hurry sickness? And so there's six statements that I'm going to go through, and as I go through these six statements, in your own mind, or as you're watching online, I want you to just check the box and say, yeah, I probably fall into that category from time to time. Okay, so here's number one, to know if you suffer from hurry sickness. You treat everything like a race, you treat everything like a race. Now, I used to do this with my kids all the time. I'd be like, all right, boys, here's the time. Let's see who can do the fastest at getting their PJs on. Let's see who can do the fastest at brushing their teeth. Not recommended, rust their teeth. You know, who's the fastest that can get in bed? Now, you might think, well, that's actually pretty smart, Dan. I said, no, the only reason I did it was because I was at such a pace, I just wanted to get things done and get them over with. In fact, let me tell you how sick that I have found myself in the past. I would go into grocery stores, and as I go into grocery stores, my strategic mind would click right in place, and I would evaluate the lines, and I'd immediately choose what I thought would be the most efficient line. Now, that sounds like it makes sense. Who wouldn't choose the shortest line? Here's where it gets sick. I would evaluate the alter me if I had chosen a different line, and if I got to the front of my line, uh, behind my alter me, who would've gotten first, I actually walk out of the grocery store grumpy. Because I chose poorly. People, that's sick. There's something wrong when it comes to that. So that's me. That's one of those. Uh, Number two, uh, how about you find it impossible to do just one task at a time? Find it impossible to do one task. You truly believe that multitasking is a real thing and you actually operate accordingly. There's no way because it'll slow you down if you only focus on one thing at a time. That would be number two. How about this one? Number three, you get highly irritable when you experience a delay. I'm not talking about the normal, oh, that's kind of bothersome. I'm talking about, wow, that's a little bit of an overreaction just because somebody might be driving just a little bit slower. Why won't it download faster? I have 4G, I need 5G. Two-day shipping, I need it today. Are you that kind of person when it comes to the speed in which things need to come your way? Okay, you check in the boxes. Okay, number four. You feel or are perpetually behind schedule. You feel behind schedule or you are perpetually behind schedule. You literally find yourself running from one event or one activity or one responsibility to another. Your schedule is so packed that as soon as somebody throws off your schedule just a little bit, it sets the rest of your meetings behind by a certain period of time for the rest of the day. You, my friend, suffer from hurry sickness. How about number five? You interrupt or talk over people. In other words, you're not a good listener. You are already thinking about what you wanna say, and because the other person is taking way too long for them to say what you already think that you know they're gonna say, you wanna jump in, you wanna interrupt, you wanna actually make sure that your point is taken first. And how about number six? You're obsessed with checking things off your to-do list. Checking things off, and when you do, uh, you add three more. You know, uh, you, you are that person, you're just like, ooh, I love the check, I love the check, I love the check. Okay, so how many are you? How, I, I, I know that for me, I counted five, okay? I need to go to the hospital when it comes to this. Five, and now how many of you guys are three or more? Raise your hand, put it in the chat, if you're three or more. How many of you guys are five or more? Six, all six? Yeah, I know there's gonna be a lot of us. Put it in the chat as well. All right, now I know, if you're like me, we like to rationalize this. You're like, no, 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 damn, damn, it. I'm not hurry sickness, I'm just created differently. I'm a type A person. I'm a three or an eight on the Enneagram. I actually get things, it's just how that I'm made. I'm not hurried, I'm efficient. You know, that would be kind of a way to say this. Now, now, you need to know that there's a huge difference between being efficient and hurry and hurry sick. This is what we're talking about. In other words, there's a healthy kind of busyness where your life is full with the things that matter. Because by that definition, Jesus himself was actually busy. The problem isn't when you have a lot to do. It's when you have too much to do. And the only way to keep up with what is to do is to hurry. That's how you know you've moved from efficiency to actually in a state of hurry sickness. In addition, when you're efficient, you get to a place of completion. When you're efficient... In other words, have you ever said this phrase, it's just a season, it's just the week, it's just the month, but then you realize that it's always a season, it's always a week, it's always a year, it's always a month, it never seems to end. In other words, you're living in quadrant four of what Stephen Covey wrote in the the seven habits of highly effective people, where you're living in the urgency quadrant instead of the most important quadrant, which is quadrant three. Here's the reason why we gravitate towards this idea of hurrying ourselves all the time. Hurry gives us a false sense of identity or importance, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, think about it. We gravitate towards more because more is what is valued in our culture. Not less, not smaller, bigger, more. That must mean better. Our worth as a human is a human doing, not a human being. That's where our value and our worth is, in fact, that when somebody comes up and says, how you doing? And your first response is, I'm busy. That's like, oh, you're kind of important. To, you've got a lot of things on your plate. You must, you must have you know, some significance in your life because you're so busy. In other words, we even compliment, we find ourselves getting the pats on the back and the, oh man, you've just gone the extra mile and we think that that's a good thing. Let me get even more personal. I used to do this with our staff all the time. We used to give out what's called the plunger award. Now a plunger, we literally would buy a plunger, we'd spray paint it gold and we'd hand it out once a month. And it was the golden plunger award to go above and beyond the call of duty. You get it? You can have fun with that either way you wanna take it. So we hand this thing out, but that principle was you really put in not just what was expected, but you put in even more, and as a church staff, we even wanna honor that in front of other people, as if that's the better way to do it, and we got rid of that a while ago and said, no, 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 that's not actually what we wanna honor. We wanna honor you actually giving the work, training other people, and involving other people into what the God has called us to be and do. See, the greatest gift that we can give or receive in life is love. And the way that you and I live our life doesn't just affect us, but affects those who are living their life alongside of us on a regular basis. See, when we study the life of Jesus, he tells us, take the entire book, focused on the entire Old Testament, and I can boil it down to two things, Jesus says. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, he says this in Mark chapter 12, verse 30. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Now, there's no there's nothing wrong with achievement, don't, don't, miss, don't mishear me, unless achievement is at the cost of what matters most, which is relationship. I can't tell you how many guys specifically or gals I've talked to who have lost their family, their marriage, and their relationship with their kids because they were spending so much time at work providing for them they actually lost the very thing that they were working so hard to provide for. You see how those can kind of get misplaced when it comes to priority. In fact, the only time in our culture today that you hear this value of relationships is when somebody either burns out or resigns and the resignation as a football coach or CEO is because I need to go spend more time with my family. That's one of the only times that it's actually celebrated. I don't want you to miss this. Love and hurry are incompatible. You cannot love well and be in a hurry at the same time. It doesn't work. See, when God is describing what love is and what love does, he points to us to a famous passage of Scripture that more often than not you hear at a wedding. You come to these wedding ceremonies and vows that describe what love is and what love isn't. Do you know the first thing that's said in 1 Corinthians 13, verse four? Love is... Patient. I hate that verse, but it's so true. Love is patient. People I'm impatient with the most actually seem to be the people that I love the most. Could it be that that's when I kind of let my guard down from the busyness or the hurry of the day? You see, there's a big difference between being present in a room versus being present in a room, if you know what I mean. I can physically occupy space in a room but I can can mentally, emotionally, and spiritually not be there at all. For example, have you ever taken a friend, a family member, a date, a spouse, a child to a place called Buffalo Wild Wings? Good luck at trying to go deep in conversation or in connection with screens in every direction unless that is the reason that you are there because it actually works against the desire to actually be present even though you're present. Does that make sense? It's one of the reasons for me I hated the iWatch when it first came out. I couldn't stand it because I couldn't take anybody to coffee who had one because when they had one, we'd be in this conversation. How are things going? Oh, it's going so bad, Pastor. Really, what's going on? Well, I just, and I just need to go. I'm just like, what just happened? And I'm like, they're like, well, what do you think? Well, I think we need to spend more time in God's. And they go, and I'm like, are, are, are you kidding me right now? You know, you're not here. In other words, whatever that buzzing, beeping notification thing that just took place in your wrist is obviously more important than whatever it is that we are actually having this conversation that you said was important in your life for us to take place. In fact, don't you love, love being in the room with someone who just cares about you, who's truly present, they're just fully, Their body language, they're looking at you eye to eye, they're asking you know, intelligent, great questions, and they really want to know what's going on. What a difference that is. In fact, Walter Adams, who happened to be the spiritual director to C.S. Lewis, said this, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. It never advances it. You know, some of the most sincere people that I know, including me at times when I'm in seasons of great hurry sickness, is that we get into the presence of God and we just can't pay attention. Ever been there? Where you know you're at such a pace that when you try to open up your Bible, you try to just be still and know that he is God that you're almost unable to do so because you're so distracted because of the pace in which we've been living? Do you think that's what God called us to be and do? He hasn't. So the question is, what's the solution? We're gonna spend the next four weeks unpacking this. And the reason that's important for you to know is because I believe that it is true that it takes about 28 days or 30 days to create some new habits. And as we enter into 2022, we need some new habits that will actually inform, but more importantly, transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. But what is the solution? I don't know if you're like me and you said, well, I know the solution. I just need more time. If I could just have three to four more hours per day, I could really get some stuff done. And you already know that that's not just a true statement. You'll just add to what you're currently already doing. You'll do that on a regular basis. Do you understand that we have actually more time at our disposal today than ever in human history? We have more time today than ever in human history. We keep coming up with inventions that will save us more time. From the microwave to the Roomba, to the Instapot to the crockpot, we have more time saving devices now than ever. In our hands, We have what other generations, even just the one previously, had to have like seven devices to 12 devices to make up this one. In our one smartphone, we can email, text, social media, have access to the internet, get our news, weather, sports, take pictures, video, and have a flashlight. Oh, and we can even make a phone call. I know, it's weird. (laughs) These devices, actually, you can actually make calls with. It's just crazy. I know nobody does it anymore. But we seem to always have less time, and yet we seem to be offered more time. Could it be it's not about time? It's how we're rushing in most things that we seem to participate in. So the solution I want to tell you on this day is that we have to go on a journey. We have to go on a journey to learn from the God who created us that there is Another way. This is why this is so important. This is almost the series that's most definable for our culture in our time right now. I want you to think about this for just a second. This blew my mind. Jesus was never in a hurry. You can read all of the Gospels and you will never one time find Jesus who was in a hurry. In fact, if you want to have a little humor, can you imagine a hurried Jesus? Come on, disciples, we gotta get going. We're late for dinner again. Peter, why do you always take so long to get ready in the morning? Thaddeus, get off that donkey and help out this man. Thomas, I can't believe you dropped the hummus again. Can you imagine him at the end of the day just saying, I just need a glass of wine. I've just gotta just chill out, people. You know, you can't imagine that side of Jesus because that's not who he is. Can you imagine Jesus half talking to you, half texting you on his own iPhone and doing that normal, "Uh uh-huh, Uh uh Uh-huh, 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 keep talking, you know, being able to do that. Can you hear him saying, I'm sorry, I'd love to heal your leg, but I got a plane to catch. I'm speaking at the TEDx in Jerusalem tomorrow, so I just can't make it, I'm sorry. We can't imagine that kind of Jesus. He was never in a hurry. And if we're supposed to be like Jesus, it's not just in his word, but we're supposed to model how he lived. In fact, there's not one place in scripture that Jesus literally ran. Yeah, take that, runners, Yeah, there's no place that Jesus thought running was a good idea. just wanna throw that out there. In fact, even when there is a storm that's taking place, he walked on water, people. He did not run like you and I do when it comes to a storm. Just saying, Jeremy Anglin and all you freak runners out there. See, if we wanna experience the life of Jesus, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. If we wanna experience that life, in other words, another way to say this is, if we want the results of Jesus, we want the results of Jesus without following the way of Jesus, and how true that is in our microwave society. In fact, a, a, a verse that we're going to repeat over and over and over through the course of the series is this powerful verse from Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. "Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy-laden, and I will give you rest." Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a fascinating picture that Jesus used to describe what this life is like He's not saying, hey, just sit on your couch, lay on your bed at Bedside Baptist with Pastor Pillow and just watch me on a screen all the time. I get it if there's snow and that kind of stuff. I'm just saying we gotta move sometimes when it comes to our faith and when it comes to our prayer life. In fact, what Jesus used is this this idea of what it takes about this yoke and this ox. So here's an example of what it would look like. And you notice there's just not one. There's two that it's designed for. And so you've got this ox and this yoke that's there. And imagine this, when you put two ox together with one yoke, not only can they do twice the amount of work, but they do twice the amount of work with half the effort. What a beautiful picture that Jesus is giving us as it looks like for what it looks like to partner with him on this side of eternity. He says, verses for everyone. And what he's saying, as he says, come to me, is he's asking us, be with Jesus. As we go into 2022, take one step. One step would be to create a time and a space where you're gonna intentionally quiet yourself. Where you're gonna intentionally say, you know what, I'm gonna put some of the devices away, or at least I'm gonna turn off all the notifications when I have my device and my time so I can spend it with Jesus. I'm gonna be with him. For some of you, what this means is that you're gonna need to surrender to Jesus to say, I'm gonna go into 2022 with a different way to live than I've ever lived before. I'm gonna follow the way of Jesus and step one is to actually surrender to his name, which leads us to step two. Not only be with Jesus, but become like Jesus. Become like Jesus. Did you know that Jesus had a healthy do- dose of what we would call margin? I know some of you have never heard that word in a long time margin in his life? Margin is the space between our load and our limits. For most of us, there is no space between our load and our limits. We're not at 80% with room to breathe. We run at 100% all the time. So no wonder we always feel out of balance when things don't go according to our time or to our plan. Jesus built in margin with his schedule. Maybe for some of you, becoming like Jesus is just simply taking control of your calendar, which we'll talk about a lot more in the coming weeks. Lastly, do what Jesus would do if he were you. Can you commit in 2022 to do what Jesus would do if he were you? Ephesians chapter five, verse 15 says this. Look carefully then at how you walk, not run, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Not to live over anxious, crazy, rushed lives. So in the next four weeks, we're gonna walk through this together. And just like any other New Year's resolution, you can't do it on your own. None of those last. Every New Year's resolution anybody ever makes, the only ones that succeed are ones that you partner with other people to go on a journey together. And so I'm gonna invite you, as you've already heard, to get into a relational environment, something that we call around here a life group, that you create time in your schedule to walk this journey of faith with other people, and you're honest with it, which is why we call ourselves Valley Real Life. Maybe step one is to walk into your group and say something like this, my name is Dan, and I suffer from hurry sickness. What a great way to start. So this week, Your next step is to take inventory of your life and come back ready to start applying some new habits and new routines into your new year. Let me close with the same verse that I read to you, but I love the way that the message version says this. And I pray that these words will wash over you and they will impact your heart and mind as they did me. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, once again, in the message version, it says... Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Isn't that such an encouraging passage? What a great thing to take hold of, to say, yes, Jesus, we want to be with you. We want to become like you. We want to live our lives as if you were living them for us. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this day and this opportunity. And I pray right now in our own hearts and minds, whether we're watching online or we're here in the room, Father, that we would just take inventory. Help us to first admit that maybe we have a problem, and then secondly, help us to commit over these next 4 weeks and beyond to going on a journey with other people with you at the center at addressing this and help us to come out of this different than when we went in. Father, we thank you for the steps that you're leading to us now. And we ask you to lead and guide what that may look like in our real lives starting at this moment right now. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.